Welcome back to Resident Strangers. I'm Sarah Shallow, and I'm joined in the studio with Steve Ingram and Rich Holland. We hope you were with us last week. If you weren't, I think you should actually pause this episode right now and go back and listen. As last week, Rich and Steve talked so much about who the Holy Spirit is and why he is important. So I'd encourage you to go back, get caught up on that, because today we're going into some of those questions about the Holy Spirit. And I know there's a lot. Selfishly, I'm going to start with my own question. You're going you're gonna to ask a question. <laughs> can, we, can we have a vote? Yeah. <laughs> it's um, the host privilege. Yeah, okay. yeah, the, yeah there All we right. go, the host privilege. <laughs> so when I was in college, I went to a Christian college, and I had a roommate who um, came from more of a charismatic background. You know, that's the thing at Christian college. It is sure. Christian, but a mm-hmm. lot of times you're having people from a lot of different denominations. And I remember one night we were talking, and she was really concerned about the idea of the Holy Spirit's presence in her life Mm -hmm. and potentially the thought of losing her salvation. And she was almost in Mm. tears talking with me. And really the root of her fear was she had never spoken in tongues. And she she was Mm. questioning, am I saved? So the lack of speaking in tongues to her equated to she maybe didn't have the Holy Spirit. Yes, and I believe that that was what her church was teaching. And this... You know, I don't, I have no idea. This was back on the East Coast. I have no idea what church she was at or anything. But I think this is a somewhat popular belief or is a belief that some hold. So I wanted to go into that quickly. Kind of the idea of what does it mean to be filled with the spirit and all that that would encompass? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. My cousin had a similar experience. She had a salvation experience and then immediately they, uh, circled up around her and put hands on her and prayed waiting for her to speak in tongues. That was the sign that she was genuinely converted, that she would speak in tongues. Well, and I think some of it actually goes back to the book of Acts because you have the disciples that are there, Jesus leaves and they have to wait. And then you see it again later on, I believe it's Acts 19 where some come to faith in Christ and then um, there, there's a little bit of time and they pray over them and the Holy Spirit comes. And so some have taken that Acts then is this normative piece that right. it's a second work of, of God. So you become saved, you put your faith in Christ, you're regenerated, and that at a later date, you get the Holy Spirit, hopefully, and then how is that evidenced? And I'm going to let Rich jump into this because yep. I see he's jumping. But I, 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 A, let me just say something practically is you have to be careful of taking the narratives in the Bible and making them normative. That, uh, for instance, um, you know, you, you have the priest taking the urim and the thummim. Well, we don't do that. Uh, there's just lots of those things that were unique for that time and, and that moment. Um, you had, um, wasn't it Jacob who put up the strips <laughs> before the mating goats, right? Uh, <laughs> well, we touched on some of this in an earlier episode, talking even about the Old Testament, some of the sure. things they did and how, you know, how do you grapple and, with and those so things? So you want to be careful about 
you know, making doctrine out of the, um, the narrative stories that are there. And I think it's the one place where people get off because they, they take that, even though there is other in fact, there's more places in the book of Acts. Uh, think Cornelius, they believe they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It just happens right then. And I, I do think that that's more what the, the rest of the word of God would teach us. So, Rich, sorry about that. No, 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 that's that's all good. I, I guess, you know, what's I think the one of the things I want to say first before I say anything else is thinking back to last episode, which is good, Sarah, you reminded them to listen to the last episode first. Right. When somebody comes to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit does indwell that person, takes up permanent residence in that person. Maybe that's an awkward way to say it, but you, you probably understand what I'm saying. Right. So everybody who is saved, who is in Christ, has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And so the question then is, I think there's a couple of things coming into play. Let me see if I can get my mind straight on this. One is that we do observe things that seem to be miraculous gifts evidencing the work of the Spirit in the life of, of the person. You mentioned some of the things in Acts. We could go to other places too. And maybe we even see this today, right? This is So we see these sort of things that seem to be totally out of place unless it's the Holy Spirit working. Um, but, but then we have these other questions like your story is, you know, well, what connection is that to you know, how, how do I know whether I'm saved or not? And then on top of that, we have these seemingly um, Christians who are living, what would you say, like a carnal life? Do you use that terminology, Steve? Sure. Yeah. So somebody who's sort of, they're saved, but they're living a life in either rebellion or apathy towards the things of God. And so you don't see the work of the spirit in their life. Now, if they're saved, the spirit indwells them but you don't necessarily see outwardly the work of the spirit because they're living carnally. Right. So, and I would say specifically in that season, right. That yeah. Season oh, sure. Of life. Yes. Sure. Sure. And I, I guess what I, you know, what I've heard some people say that bothers me, it kind of goes to your story, Sarah, my cousins, and I've heard lots of people do this, like that the, ev- the test case evidence of the Holy spirit being in a person is, and then fill in the blank, whether it's tongues or whatever it is. Uh, and I just think that's wrong and probably very destructive. I mean, think about yes. the stress that your friend was under, right? Oh, she was, I mean, it was, I have never forgotten it. I mean, she was very distressed. <laughs> so uh, there's a couple of things we have to remember about that. So, okay, if somebody is speaking in tongues, is that a work of the spirit in their life? Well, if we, if we look at the New Testament passages that talk about that, the answer is yes. But when we go to those passages that talk about these gifts that people have in the church, you know, like 1 Corinthians 12, there's a series of the, you know, Paul is explaining all this stuff and he's, you know, God has appointed all these in the church. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, starting at 28. Uh, First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. But then there's a series of rhetorical questions. Are all, pos- are all apostles? And the implied answer, of course, is no. No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Right? So the idea there is, first of all, that not everybody is going to be gifted and experience or uh, display uh, the work of the Spirit in exactly the same way. Now we do though, what's interesting about this to me is we do have another passage in scripture that seems to be very clear 
about what we do see in everyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking of Galatians 5, right? So Galatians 5, it's, it uses an agricultural metaphor, right? The fruit of the Spirit. And let me just, let me just read part of this here. Paul is writing. He says, I, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then there's a contrast between the flesh and the Spirit, right? So I'm going to skip the flesh list and go right to the to the spirit list here. Let's see if I can get this. Uh, here it is. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, so I, I don't think about like judging other people. I, when I read this passage, I think self-diagnostically, right? I'm looking at my own heart and my own life and I'm asking the question, have I yielded myself to the influence of the spirit in my life? Right. And so uh, it seems to me that the, the the evidence of that is made clear. What are the indicators? Right. This is the metaphor fruit. How do you know that? A, Sarah, how do you know that an apple tree is an apple tree? I just I, I look at it personally. Yeah. I'm not a gardener. Does but. It have anything, <laughs> do you think it might have anything to do with the apples that are growing on that tree? Well, that yeah, that's what I would mean by I look yeah, at it. Yeah, I that's see right. an apple. Right. So then this is the same thing, right? We we see the evidence of the spirit working in our lives in these character traits that the spirit develops. So how do I know if I'm being filled with the spirit? Well, it's that I'm demonstrating the love of the spirit or the joy or the peace or the patience, kindness. So Right. So going back to uh, first Corinthians, right? If we think about this, the Corinthian church was like one of the most carnal churches in all of church history, except maybe nowadays. Um, (laughs) And and yet they were exhibiting all of these miraculous sign gifts, tongues and healings and all these kinds of things. Right. So do you see what I'm saying? Right. You can be you can be carnal and still have a gift. Mm-hmm. But, but this passage, Galatians 5, seems to be the one that's saying this is what it looks like in a person's life to be yielded to the influence of the Holy Spirit and transforming their character, right? Um, and then, of course, I, you know, I, this makes me think of Romans 12 right away. Like, how is it? How is it that uh, I bear that fruit and I think most of it is Romans 12 says, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Well, first but of all, be transformed right, by the renewing so of your mind. Actually, I, I started too, too late, right? It's, it's <laughs> uh, in view of God's mercies, I urge you brothers to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual service or worship. And then the rest of it there. Right. And so that's the thing is if I am diligently and deliberately seeking God and asking the spirit to influence me, to shape my character, to conform me to the image of Christ, uh, that's that's when I'm sort of getting out of the way and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. And these fruit will be evidence that the spirit has filled me or is filling me. So if I could take just a step back, because I get just for the sake of clarity, what what Rich is talking about is the filling of the Spirit. So the Spirit, Holy Spirit indwells every believer. I was just looking at uh, Romans 8, 9, which, which where he tells us you have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. So if you got Jesus, right. you got the Holy Spirit. So yep. everyone is who believes in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. 
but maybe the better question when you start thinking about the filling of the Holy Spirit is how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, so as we yield ourselves to him and those areas of our life where we're going to walk not in rebellion anymore, but in obedience, that's where we see the fruit of the spirit being displayed in our life. And so one of the, I think one of the great questions of that self-evaluation is, you know, when I'm irritable and when I'm frustrated and when I'm angry at the world, is it telling me I'm not a Christian? No, I put my faith in Jesus. I, the Holy Spirit lives within me. But right now, I, there's parts of me that I'm I'm living in my own selfishness. I'm not allowing him. Holding it back. Yeah, I'm holding it back from he, being Christ-like and becoming more like Jesus. And so what I need to do is look at those things and then to be able to yield those to him you know what what am i holding on to so tight here that the holy spirit wants right why uh why am i so agitated why am i so frustrated why why is there no joy Uh, it usually comes back to this part part that i've got something i've got to grab on god wants it and i don't want to let go of it and so the filling of the spirit is that that letting loose saying, Lord, here's this thing. It's really important to me, but it's yours. I, I love the, the analogy picture of Romans 12, yeah. uh, where I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And in my mind, I'm not a huge picture thinker, but I see an altar and I see me getting up there and handing the knife to God. And mm. saying, okay, you got a right. You got a right to my life. You got a right to my dreams. You got a right to my time. Uh, and my time is very important to me. It's probably the thing I get more frustrated about, right? It, it's, it's, I want to control it. I want to just say, no, Lord, you know, interruptions are okay because I'm going to take them from you. Uh, you have a right to my family. You have a right to my dreams. You, you know, I'm yours. And, the great thing about the Holy Spirit is he knows way better than I. What are the things I really am still holding on to? Uh, I can remember when I first went, kind of walked through this. Uh, it was uh, back when I was in high school. And I was just, Lord, I want to be filled. I want you to have every part of me. And it was just this process that he walked me through of just through circumstances, sometimes through his word, but you know, something would come up and go, oh, well, you know, I had a temper. I kind of liked my temper. I could control things with my temper. You want my temper? Ooh, that was tough. Mm. And, you know, I had some dreams. I I had some goals. Um, as I've shared with people, um, uh, pride has kind of been a little bit of my issue. And so when I thought about ministry, right, because I'm serving Jesus, right? I'm, you know, there are big crowds, there's big buildings, there's, you know, there's... A stage. Well, stage <laughs> and speaking. Yeah. To, and it's like, oh, well, Steve, what, you know, what if I don't want you to do that? What if, what if I wanted you to go to a place where nobody's ever going to hear your name? Ooh. That's tough. Now, I thought, man, I was all in on Jesus. But in this process of these months, God just kept bringing these things up. And I'd have to wrestle with them and then let them go. And 
And for me, that was, and now I will tell you, in my experience, that's a lifelong experience, right? So uh, there's always those times where I have to stop and I have to look. And it's amazing how many things I've actually given to him that I slowly kind of take back and say, no, I want it my way. <laughs> but when we walk in the fullness and the filling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of that is seen right in that passage of Galatians 5. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Well, we've got a a couple minutes left, and I thought we could talk about a question that we got from someone here at Desert Springs. We've we've gotten some questions in, and we're going to do our best to try to address some of them. But one of the questions we got was, should we pray to the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah. Right. And we touched on this a little bit in last week's episode, but maybe you two could expand on it just a little bit. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit is a person, right? We talked, we clarified that last time. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It, it's a he, not a, not a it or a, or a, some other kind of thing like that, right? So, I mean, Steve, I'll let you answer most of this, but I mean, my initial answer is yes, we should pray to the Spirit. No, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, I, I've been asked sometimes, why don't you pray to the Holy Spirit? And I do sometimes in my own time with the Lord. I just don't typically do it you know, when I'm on stage praying, you know, biblically, if you, if you look at the new Testament, we're told to to pray to the father, we're told to pray to the son. We're never told to pray the Holy spirit, but I don't think that means that we're, we shouldn't. I mean, he's God and he's a person and he's the one who's with me. And so there's so many times I say, you know, Lord, and I'm thinking, Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom right now. I need your discernment. Or, hey, something's going on in my, I'm getting these red flashing lights. What are you trying to say to me? And so I don't, I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of a practical application of studying theology. Why should we study theology? We learn more about God. We learn about the persons in the Trinity. And then like we were just saying uh, with our first question, we like the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace. Like to me, I'm going to say, Holy spirit, make me more loving. Like, like Jesus is right. So it's like, you think about what each of these persons does or how God reveals himself through the, the persons of the Trinity in scripture. And then we pray accordingly. Now I will again, maybe little inside baseball here, theologically, you know, we come from a, a fairly conservative um, theological camp. And a lot of times we react negatively to excesses on the outside. And and so I think from our theological perspective that we have been as a church, you know, in our kind of our history, um, we look at a lot of the things that have been done under the area of the charismatic or Pentecostal movement. And, and, and of course, we react to some of the excesses that we would see and say, hey, we don't really see that as scriptural. And I think at times that causes us to pull back from, from what is healthy and also understand that, uh, you know, there's some wonderful, wonderful believers that, you know, see those things maybe a little differently than we do, but we react. And so we, you know, we don't, we just pull back. And I think we got to be careful about that to, um, to not overreact to things, uh, 
which is one of the reasons I want to do this podcast, right? Let's, let's right talk on. and understand theology and understand the Holy Spirit is a person and he is with you. And there's nothing wrong with asking him for his help and his guidance and direction and, and, and to fill you. Because uh, I, I tell you, if you start praying, Lord, Holy Spirit, I want to be filled with you. And if there's something in the way, show it to me. My personal experience, he answers that prayer. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been great, as always. We're running out of time. But I wanted to remind everyone, we do have an email that if you have some questions or things you're struggling with, email strangers at dscchurch.com. It's in the show notes if you need it, but strangers at dscchurch.com. We will do our best to either respond or address it here. Um, but we just thank you so much for joining us and listening. We have just had the best time coming together each week to bring you these episodes. So we hope you'll be back with us next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to Resident Strangers, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Resident Strangers is hosted by Steve Ingram, Rich Holland, and me, Sarah Shallow. Our show is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie, and again, me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, leave a review, and visit dscchurch.com for more information. Yeah.